are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Wednesday show for you. This running back situation in the NFL is getting nastier and nastier because now the running backs are taking to social media and essentially calling out the league, the owners, their own teams, I guess. I mean, I'll read you some of the tweets. Also, I'm going to still throw that statistic out there that I threw at you back around Super Bowl time in regards to running backs, which unfortunately is a very, very telling stat. Also, I'm going to talk about Patrick Mahomes, and I'm going to end with a little thoughts on Shohei Otani and what the Angels should do at this point. We'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's get started because yesterday or the day before, uh, some of the running backs, needless to say, have taken to social media when they saw that Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, and Saquon Barkley were not, I repeat, not offered long-term deals, meaning they have to sign a tendered contract and play for a one-year, about $10 million, or they sit out the whole year. They can't sign a long-term deal until the end of the season. Five running backs decided to speak out about what's going on in the fact that running backs aren't getting paid. Those five running backs, let me read those to you. First off, starting with Jonathan Taylor of the Colts. He tweeted out, if you're good enough, they'll find you. If you work hard enough, you'll succeed. If you succeed, you boost the organization. And then, doesn't matter, you're a running back. Austin Eckler of the Chargers, having contract disputes as well. This is the kind of trash that has artificially devalued one of the most important positions in the game. Everyone knows it's tough to win without a top running back, and yet they act like we are discardable widgets. I support any running back doing whatever it takes to get his bag. Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best running back in the league. San Francisco 49ers. He said, this is criminal. Three of the best players in the entire league, regardless of position. Najee Harris, Pittsburgh Steelers. I agree with my running back brothers around the NFL. History will show you that you need running backs to win. We set the tone every game and run through walls for our team and lead in many ways. This notion that we deserve less is a joke. Derrick Henry, last one. He said, at this point, just take the running back position out of the game then. The ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give their all to an organization just seems like it don't even matter. I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve. Look, they're the ones that are being outcast, so I understand their frustration. Absolutely. They don't want to, teams don't want to pay running backs because they realize that spending that much of your cap on a running back who has a very, very small window in the league is just not financially smart and remember back around the Super Bowl time I told you there's a reason that teams aren't spending on running backs I'm going to refresh your memory since 2009 up through 2022 so that is 14 seasons the last 14 seasons in the NFL the leading rusher on the team that won the Super Bowl Eight of the 14 running backs made less than a million dollars a year. Last year's Super Bowl winner, Kansas City Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco, 
makes $977,000 a year. The other ones who made less than a million on a Super Bowl winning team and they were their leading running back. 2018, Patriots with Sonny Michelle. 2017, Eagles with LeGarrette Blunt. 2016, Patriots with LeGarrette Blunt. 2015, Broncos with C.J. Anderson. 2014, Patriots with LeGarrette Blunt. 2010, James Starks with the Packers. 20, to 2009, the Saints with Pierre Thomas. So that's eight of the 14. Well, Steve, they must have been some Super Bowl winning team in the last 14 years that had a stud running back. No, they didn't. Eight of the 14 made less than a million. Three of them made in the million-dollar range. 2011, Ahmad Bradshaw with the Giants made $1.5 million. 2019, Damian Williams with the Chiefs made $1,050,000. And Cam Akers with the Rams in 2021 made $1.1 million. And then three made in the $2 million range. Fournette with the Bucks in 2020 made $2 million. Seahawks with Percy Harvin made $2.5 million, and we all know Percy Harvin was not a running back. He led the Seahawks in rushing, and he wasn't even a running back. He was a multi-purpose athlete, played wide receiver, played the slot. They put him at running back as well, but he's not the definition of a running back. And then in 2012, Ray Rice with the Ravens made $2 million. So in the last 14 years, no Super Bowl winning team has had a running back that made more than $2.5 million in a season. So, unfortunately, to these running backs that took to social media and said those things, while I agree with what they're saying, unfortunately, they don't own a football team. They're not the general manager. The owners of the football team determine how much money they want to spend on their players. The general manager has the owner's blessing. I don't think this is any sort of conspiracy theory. I think smart general managers realize it is not smart to spend 10 to $15 million a year on a running back. I just read you 14 years of Super Bowl winning statistics. It's proven you don't need them. At least, it's not that you don't need them, you don't need to spend this much on them. And these guys, these Saquons, these Josh Jacobs, the Tony Pollards, they're looking 10 to $15 million a year. And we haven't had a Super Bowl winning team with a running back that made $2.5 million more than $2.5 million in the last 14 years. So what do you do? Because here's the other thing, and this came from Mina Kimes on ESPN, who made a great point yesterday on Outside the Lines. She said, look, everybody knows that when a running back comes into the league, he's always usually most productive in those first five or six years, and then his contract comes up because you can't become a free agent. Well, we all know that the running backs' numbers all start dropping once they become free agents. Once they're six years into their league, just look at the numbers of all the great running backs. Outside of a few, everybody starts sliding after year five and year six. So what do you do if you're a team? And the only suggestion she had was maybe for running backs, we allow them to hit free agency after year three. I don't know if that would ever fly. Because then the receiver is going to be like, why can't I hit free agency after year three? Quarterbacks, why can't I? That's really the only solution because we all know very few running backs are getting a giant contract after six years of you know being a number one back and taking a pounding. But you want to provide them for being so good to your team 
in those five or six years. It's a very tough position. I get it. I get why the running backs are frustrated, but I also get why the owners don't want to pay them $15 million a year, $10 million a year. They don't need to. They can find somebody that might not be as good, but is serviceable. All you need is somebody serviceable in there. Do any of those players blow your socks off that were the star running back, not even the star, the leading rusher on any of those 14 Super Bowl teams, Super Bowl winning teams the last 14 years? Isaiah Pacheco, Cam Akers, Leonard Fournette, Damian Williams, Sony Michelle, C.J. Anderson, LeGarrette Blunt, Percy Harvin, Ray Rice, Ahmad Bradshaw, James Starks, Pierre Thomas. This isn't the 80s and 90s anymore. This isn't Eric Dickerson. This isn't Walter Payton. Those days are gone. So what do you do? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Mina Kimes probably had the best suggestion. I just don't know if that would fly. I don't know if you can make free agency available to somebody that's a running back three or four years earlier or three or two years earlier than every other player that comes into the league. That just, I I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the solution is. I do feel bad for the running backs. They are not getting paid. And these guys, these Josh Jacobs who led the league in rushing last year and led the league in yards from the line of scrimmage, who is not under contract right now, doesn't plan on signing for $10 million. I don't know what he's going to do. Same with, um, Saquon Barkley. They want to get paid for the way they've produced. I totally understand that. But you can't force an owner to pay you. So what happens? I think eventually these guys are going to have to come back and just be like, fine, I'll side the tender and I'll play for $10 million. And I realize that's probably the most I'm going to get. I just, I don't think it's any sort of collusion by the owners to say nobody pay a running back. Smart general managers realize it is a waste of money to give 10 to $15 million to a star running back. It just is. The numbers prove it out. As I said, Netflix has their quarterback docuseries airing right now. I hope a lot of you have watched it. Some of you have emailed me and have said you really enjoyed it, and thank you. Some of you binged the whole series already. Even I haven't done that. But some of you have told me you're very, very, you're really enjoying it. And like I said, if you like football, if you watch football every Sunday, you have a favorite NFL team, you don't even have to be a fan of the Chiefs, the Vikings, or the Atlanta Falcons, or Oregon football uh, to be interested in watching a docuseries that followed Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota all during the 2022 NFL season. It is behind-the-scenes access that you're never going to get anywhere else. It's so good, and you can't come away not liking all three of them. I mean, they're just to see what they go through, to see how difficult the position is, you know, and, and, you know, Kirk Cousins, I was having this discussion with a buddy last night and I'm like, man, you watch it and you're like, Kirk Cousins, good player, solid NFL quarterback. But right now, is he a top 10 NFL quarterback? I don't think so. Kirk Cousins has put up great regular season statistics. Really good. Some great seasons in there. Is throwing to the best wide receiver in football in Justin Jefferson. Seems like the literally the nicest guy in the world. Great family man. 
The problem is he's 1-4 in his career in the playoffs. At some point, you play this game to win championships. He's been a starter in this league for nine years, and he's won one playoff game. So you're like, damn, I hate to come down on this guy. But I'm sorry, it's about winning championships. Nobody's going to remember Kirk Cousins' great regular season stats unless this guy starts making some noise in the playoffs. Nine-year starter, he's 1-4 in in his career in the playoffs. I know Dak isn't covered in this show, but Dak Prescott has been an eight-year starter. He's 2-4 in in his career in the playoffs. And I think at some point, again, Right now, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, would you trade Dak Prescott straight up for Kirk Cousins? I'm guaranteeing most people in Dallas would say no. And I'm guaranteeing if you ask people in Minnesota, would you trade Kirk Cousins straight up for Dak Prescott? Uh, Probably Vikings fans would say no. I'm here to tell you that if you switch them, I think they basically have the same career. These guys have both been great regular season quarterbacks. They've led teams to great records. They've put up great stats. But in the end... You are remembered for what you do in the postseason. Doesn't mean you're a failure. Doesn't mean you sucked. But you're never going to be talked about with the elites, the Elways, the Bradys, the Farves. You're not going to be talked about the Bradshaws, the one who won multiple, the ones who have won. Well, Brett Favre only won one Super Bowl. But just talking about the greats in the NFL were known for winning multiple. Uh, Super Bowls, Peyton Manning, two Super Bowls. Eli Manning, two Super Bowls. Ben Roethlisberger, two Super Bowls. You're still, you're still. I mean, if you get one under your belt, that's great. It's not easy to win a Super Bowl, you know. But I, you know, I, I'm watching, and I and I and I know and I play fantasy football, and I have for years, and I'm very well aware that Kirk Cousins, just a solid NFL quarterback, doesn't do anything spectacular. Sometimes he does lose the game for you. Sometimes he's been prone to throw some horrible interceptions, but he's a solid NFL quarterback. He's going to throw for 4,000 yards every year, and he's going to lead you to comeback wins. He's going to lead you to uh, you know an 11-6 and record, maybe a 12-5 and record. He's going to get you to the playoffs. Problem is, he's not performing in the playoffs, and that's what it comes down to, unfortunately. So, which brings me to Patrick Mahomes, and we've talked about this with Mahomes. We talked about it back in January and February when the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl. He's been a starter for five years, and he's made the AFC Championship at every single year he's been in the league. Every single year. Year one to year five, he has made the AFC Championship minimum. Three of those times he went to the Super Bowl, won two, lost one, and two times he lost in the AFC Championship. His first AFC championship lost at home to the Patriots. And two years ago, AFC championship, they lost to the Bengals. And then last year they got their rematch and they beat the Bengals. But when you see the dominance that Patrick Mahomes is putting out there with such, uh, you know, Isaiah Pacheco leading rusher, this is on him. So you say like, well, why is Pat, why, how can you, I'm not comparing Cousins and Mahomes, but when you watch it, you're just like, yeah, I'm sorry. Patrick Mahomes puts up the stats and performs in the postseason. Kirk Cousins puts up the stats and doesn't. Plain and simple. You got to do it when the lights shine the brightest. And for whatever reason, Kirk Cousins hasn't. But God, he's a nice guy. <laughs> Literally one of the nicest guys in the world. You're, la- you're, like, you're watching quarterback and you're just rooting for him. 
Like, I'd love to see the Vikings make a run next year. But are they? Does he have that? Is he good enough? Can he get them over the top? It's like, shit, man, you've been a starter for eight years. When are you going to show you can get it done when it matters most? Not in week six of the regular season. And finally, I want to talk about Shohei Otani because we're coming up on the baseball trade deadline and we're talking about a generational player. The Basically, I've said it a thousand times over the last few weeks in regards to Otani. We've never seen anything like this in the history of baseball. Throw out the stupid Babe Ruth comparison. It's not even close. Babe Ruth pitched five years in the major leagues, and those five years he was pitching, he wasn't really much of a hitter. It's once he gave up pitching is when he became a home run hitter. So what Otani is doing, you know, throwing seven innings, giving up four hits and no runs and striking out ten, and then four days in a row he's still hitting in between starts, it's just – it's indescribable. Ask any Major League Baseball player. They can't even put it what he's doing into words. He's hitting home runs. He's got 35 home runs. He's on the same pace right now as Aaron Judge was last year when he set the American League record with 62 home runs. The only reason Otani isn't a back-to-back MVP is because of what Aaron Judge did last year by hitting 62. If Aaron Judge doesn't hit 62 home runs last year, Shohei Otani wins back-to-back MVPs, and this year is number three because we all know he's winning it this year doesn't matter what the Angels record is so what do you do if you're the Angels here you are two weeks away roughly from the trading deadline you're five games behind the last playoff spot not only that you still have to jump four other teams Mike Trout is out till the end of August they're done this season they're not making the playoffs so what do you do can you absolutely afford to let Shohei Otani walk and get nothing for him and then Can you be the general manager who said, I traded Shohei Otani? If I'm the Angels, this is what I do. I've thought about this, read some articles, and I think this is what I would do. I would go to Shohei Otani right now, if you're the Angels general manager, and say, Shohei, here's what we'll give you. And it's going to, and give him an astronomical number. Give him, say, we'll give you six years, um, we'll give you 10 years, $600 million. 10 years, 550, whatever. The, you know, it's going to be between five and 600. Everybody, every baseball pundit says he's going to, his next contract is going to be between five and 600 million. And you say, here, Shohei, if you want to be an angel, we're going to give you $600 million. We're going to give you the biggest contract in the history of baseball. And if he says no, or I want to play it out, then you've got your answer. He doesn't want to be there. So then you can then go on the trading deadline and be like, we need to trade him and get what you can for him. But to sit there and not have an offer for him right now, and I don't know if they do. Maybe there's stuff going on behind the scenes, and they have offered him. Nothing's been made public that, yes, the Angels have offered Shohei Otani this. They're waiting for an answer. We have not heard that, but it could be going on behind the scenes. But if I'm them, I need to know before the trading deadline, did he turn down our offer? Because if he did, that means he's going to turn it down at the end of the year because that's all you're doing is, well, we want to keep him until the end of the year and we'll offer him to keep him because then your fans are going to be like, well, shit, why didn't you try and get something for him? Why didn't you offer him this back in July? And if he would have turned it down then, then you would have known he didn't want to be here and go get something for him. It doesn't make any sense for them not to offer him the biggest contract in the history of baseball in the next two weeks because then you'll have your answer. He's either going to sign it and you've got your Otani for the next, whatever, eight, ten years, however many years you make it, however many dollars you make it, you've got them. 
But if he says no, you've got your answer. He doesn't want to be there. So now go out and get something for him. Because there's the worst case scenario, which I have a feeling is going to happen to the Angels, is they're going to keep him through the end of the season, and he's not re-signing with them, and they're going to get a supplemental draft pick. And Angel fans, the 16 of them that there are, are going to be pretty pissed. And I'd be pissed too. I, 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 It doesn't sound like this guy has any interest in wanting to come back to Anaheim. This team hasn't had a winning record. This franchise hasn't had a winning record since 2015 or 2014, one of the two. All five years he's been on the team, as great as Otani has been, as great as Trout has been, they haven't had a winning record since 28 years. And they're, and they're I think, one game under, or they're, they're either one game under or at 500 right now, and Trout's out to the end of August. They're five games behind the last wild card spot, and they've got four teams ahead of them. They, they would have to jump. It's just not looking good. So present him with the contract. Say, here, Otani, eight years, $600 million. Eight years, five fifty. Ten years, five hundred. I don't know. Something between eight and ten years and $500 and $600 million. If he says no, you got your answer, then you can go shop him for as many draft prospects and maybe current players that can go right into your lineup. Because if you let him walk at the end of the year and all you get is one supplemental pick, that's just embarrassing. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, Please follow me in Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review if you can. Also, pass this along to your friends. Let them know about it. I'd appreciate that. The more the merrier. Anyway, I appreciate you all listening. Thank you very much. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.